This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Royal Blue Podcast. I'm Phil Kirkbride, and today joined by Dave Prentice, Gav Buckland, Adam Jones, and Sam Carroll for a bumper edition of the pod as we get our teeth stuck into the season that was. This is a season review special course and including at the end um, some reflections on Leighton Baines as we've not had the chance to discuss his decision to retire but we're going to get stuck into it straight away plenty to go at I will be asking the chaps for player of the season goal of the season performance of the season and flop of the season now they've had ample time because I did warn them about 10pm last night so that's ample time in (laughs) Royal Blue podcast world uh, to come up with the answers Uh, and in the spirit uh, of debate and discussion and, and entertainment for the listeners um, I've asked the guys to come armed with a selection of responses because there can be no repetition and they've got to argue their case and I will uh, be judge, jury and executioner and decide who's made the most compelling uh, argument for each of the categories. So um, let's get straight into it. Player of the season and first I will come to Preno. Um, I'm quite fortunate position here to be honest. I've come armed with you know a new number of different candidates but for me it's the obvious choice it can be the one only genuine candidate and it's Richarlison um he's finished top scorer again he scored a huge variety of goals he scored with his feet with his head he's um he's contributed in build-ups to games he's been consistent in terms of his performance throughout the campaign and he's uh, he's performed pre-lockdown and post-lockdown I know there's a number of players that you could argue have had a great you know first half of the season. Actually, no, let's rephrase that. There haven't been a huge number of players. There have been one or two players, you could argue, have performed very, very well pre-lockdown and not so well post-lockdown. But Richarlison has you know, so been pretty consistent all the way through. We shouldn't allow his, uh, his comments over the last few days to have coloured our opinion at all. If anything, that just underlines how valuable he is to Everton Football Club. Um, he's a young man who's uh, getting better and better all the time. And he's probably the one player in the squad that if you saw his name not on the team sheet, you'd be disappointed. You'd think, oh dear, are we going to you know, sort of cope without him being available? Who else? Never, won a, never, never won a Premier League game without him, Pro? Well, that as well, yeah. Um, you know, he is. He's just like, he's a lucky charm. He's a very, very good player. And he's getting better all the time. So I know it's the, the obvious tapping from two yards which I've specialised in all my life. Um, so, but, you know, I, I've accepted it. You know, so you've come to me first. Richarlison has to be Everton's Player of the Year, surely. OK, uh, next to give their opinion is Gav. So, Gav, give me, if if your um, actual, genuinely, like, heartfelt pick was Richarlison, it, 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 you can you can let that known or you can just go straight into arguing, arguing for who yeah. you actually believe. Eh... Uh... I think you'd have to go with Richarlison. I think a couple of players, I think, where they've mentioned in terms of the way they've approved this year, I think Calvert-Lewin will be reflected in his goals, Sally. Although, I'll be, he, he finished the season in the sort of post-lockdown games, not not, not, not in the best form. I think Mason Holgate also, obviously, has improved significantly. Um, I'm still not totally convinced about when they say, oh, you know, He's there. He's you know he's he's there at the required level. I'd still like to see him playing, you know, more consistently against the big teams. Like he was poor at Chelsea before the lockdown, and 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 fourth, safety. Oh, 
Phil, we, we only mentioned him about like sort of two months ago or when the, the lockdown game started. That I think Luca Dean has had a consistent season, albeit not reaching the heights as what he did last season. He said, you know, I don't recall many times questioning his form or you know his application. I think he's had a reasonably good season, but not not up to the standards of last year. He's certainly not not being not one of our worst performers. So. So let me pin you then, Gav. Let me pin you down to one and it can't be Richarlison. Uh, oh, wait, Phil. Uh, <laughs> I, I go, I, I go, I'm going to go with, because he's improved quite a bit and he's got, got a good goal output. I'm going to go with Calvert-Lewin. DCL, very good. Okay, uh, Adam, your turn. Player of the season. Can't be Richarlison, can't be Calvert-Lewin because they've gone. Well, that's disappointing then, isn't it? Uh, Richard, I think like my my true heart choice would have been Richarlison, but yeah. I think given the options that are laid out in front of me, I think I'm going to have to go for Mason Holgate. Yeah. I think similarly a player that has improved massively uh, throughout the course of this season. I think you know you travel back to last summer and uh, there were real concerns about Everton's centre back options. Uh, well, as it proved to be, rightly so, considering we had only three centre back options one of whom had been on loan at the Championship playing as a right-back uh, for the previous six months. So, you know, he had he had a lot of pressure really coming coming into this season on uh, on his shoulders. But I think ever since he's forced his way into the team, I think it was in October, he managed to force his way into the team on a regular basis. Since then, I think he's, he's probably gone from third-choice centre-back to by far and away our top-choice at centre-back, not just in terms of his performances, but I think... Post lockdown, especially, you've seen the kind of leadership skills that he's managed to develop over the course of the season. You know, he's constantly shouting at the other players around him to get in position. He's shouting encouragement to our strikers. You know, and that's the kind of thing that we need to see from all of our players on the pitch, let alone a player of his age. And, you know, with Carlo Ancelotti at the helm now, I can only see Mason Holgate going on to improve further and further. So, yeah, in, ter- in terms of expectations that I had of individual players at the start of the season, I think. Holgate has probably surprised me the most in the, in that sense. So I think I would give him player of the season just based on that. Okay, good stuff. So we've had Richarlison, DCL, Holgate. Sam, it does get easier for you from this point on, but um, who, uh, who's, who's your pick? How's this over and working? Do I get to go first next round? Because I feel like I'm at a massive disadvantage here. You get to go first in one of the rounds and then you'll be third in the next round, second in the round after that. This is how this works. It's a democracy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, obviously, Rich Allison's the one in here, as Adam and, and Gav have said, Calvert Lewin uh, and Mason Holgate, the other two, and, and, and maybe Dean would, would be, you know, third or fourth on some people's lists as well. But just to add to what Preno said about Rich Allison, I think uh, the almost grim reality for Evertonians is, is when you look at those comments that Rich Allison has made, it's you know, would, would any of us, the way he's played this season and what he puts into every game, if if we have another disappointing season next season, God forbid, would, would anyone begrudge him the move? If, if if we got the right price, you'd probably have to say no because of how good we know he is, how important he is to this team and how much we would have struggled without him. And, and, and we're so lucky that we've got a player who, touch wood, very rarely gets injured because I dread to think what, what this season would have looked like if you take Richarlison out of the equation, and and he did drag us to mid-table mediocrity, I think in a in a lot of ways. So he is by far and away the the runaway 
uh, Everton player of the season and, and hopefully now he can kind of ditch ditch the little curse that we, we've had over the last couple of years. I mean, I think it was a, the Drissa Gay winner as a joint with Lucas Dean and ends up leaving. Jordan Pickford won it and, and hasn't quite been the same since that. So, but you know, the, the, there is only one way that Richarlison's career is going and, and that's upwards and hopefully it's with Everton. So then in the spirit of, of this podcast, you've got to come up with a di- an alternative and argue it. Uh, I'll go Jordan Pickford then. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, from the ones we've mentioned, I'll go for... I'm surprised no one's thrown Michael Keenan, yes. I don't think he's had a much uh, improved season and has developed, you know. I think he was just, good after lockdown, but... Just, just pop him on across the box for you there, Sam, to, to roll over the line. <laughs> I think Sam's oh, given... Oh. Go on. I'll go Dean. I'll go Dean. Okay. Um, you know, he's still one of the best left backs in the league, and I think everyone can admit that it hasn't quite been his, his best season. Uh, but that more speaks about the high standards he set the season before that. And, you know, Leighton Baines retired and highlighted even more, doesn't it? You know, what would we do without Lucas Dean? And, you know, what I really, really want to see him is in a confidence and win an Everton team because he's a, he's a wing back, isn't he? He loves to get forward and take people on and put crosses into the penalty area and I really think that if we can find the right man that he can form a kind of Baines PR type relationship with then we'll see the best of him because on his day I think he is the best left back in the Premier League so yeah I'll go for Dean I think he's been consistent again this season I think people get frustrated with him because of how good he was last season and maybe a couple of times he, he probably the first person so might not have hit those standards but thinking about a big season for, for Lucas Dean next season Okay, um, you know, strong arguments for, for for all four of those um options and I think, you know, in some in some respects, you know, all four probably have have a shout for it, but I don't think anybody, as we've all said, anybody can look past Preno shout there, Richarlison, Everton's player of the season. Okay, quickly moving on. Gav, you're first up with this one. Goal of the season. Um Interesting on this because um, is, is it the best goal he scored or the goal he celebrated the most? <laughs> I, 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 I won't spoil anybody's thunder on this. I, I'll say I'm going to go with because I just love the goal from start to finish and the type of goal we very rarely score. And bearing in mind the significance in the game, T.O. Walcott at Watford. Yeah. Oh, there you yeah. Well, yeah, that's my shout. All right. Yeah, great. <laughs> I have a beautiful spiel to uh, describe that one. Yeah. But anyway, okay, no. Gav, that's, yeah. that's, a, that's a strong, uh, that's a strong one. Um, Adam, you're next, so uh, I will see you, Theo Walcott at Watford, and can you raise it? I will. I will raise absolutely. Leighton Baines against Leicester. Oh, what, like, that's the second one. Come what, on, let's go in like, there. <laughs> I just can't. I just can't look past that strike from Baines. Like, I think the timing of it was amazing. Just as. The announcer was saying there's what four minutes of added time left or something like that. Baines just goes, Do you know what? I'm gonna I'm just gonna smack this from 30 yards and see what happens. The technique on it was absolutely perfect. There was absolutely no chance Casper Schmeichel was ever gonna get it. Took us took us to penalties, which unfortunately we uh, we couldn't get through in the end. But you know, that that's that sent Goodison Park off, that sent Duncan Ferguson down the touchline yet again. <laughs> And uh, you know it was a rather fitting way for Baines to eventually score what became his uh, his last goal as a, as a football player. So yeah, I, I just can't look past that Baines goal personally. Mm. Well, considering it's been a miserable season, there's two strong uh, contenders for the goal of the season. Sam, you're next. I'm going to go more down the the Gav route. Uh, and Calvert Lewin's second against Chelsea, okay. five minutes ago. I think that was a game, wasn't it, where Dunk came in and. 
we went two 0 up and it was bouncing and and then once Chelsea scored just for the season we were having at that time I remember watching it in in the office I was waiting that day and just being absolutely gutted and I was texting my mum and dad and just saying oh we've defo lost and it, it just felt like we were just resigned to them scoring again and maybe coming back and winning and would have just completely killed Dunk's day but you know obviously on the grand scheme of things it was a, a terrible scruffy horrible kind of goal but you know really kind of uh, struck the match on Calvert-Lewin's little purple patch you know you could see the confidence in him after it and just just for those scenes even now thinking about to get the hairs on the back of my neck and my arm standing up for Dunk <laughs> running down the touchline and the street just going absolutely off its cake so <laughs> that that for me definitely the, the goal of the season and, and the celebrations. I think, I, I think I punched Joe Rimmer up twenty times when that went in. So that's all. Desert, Preno, you've obviously got the the hardest one because you're you're last in the pick, and obviously appreciate that Walker at Watford and Baines at Leicester were the first two on your list. But again, in the spirit of this, what what can you? Uh, no, offer to be honest, I, I was I was pleasantly surprised at the number of you know sort of decent goals last season. Walcott. Obviously, because of the circumstances, you know, two nil down, last minute, down to ten men, Richarlison's run, the celebrations, that had everything. Baines, I absolutely probably celebrated that goal more than any other last season. It was just, but again, last minute and such quality of strike, you know, the kind of thing we're not going to see again, unfortunately, from Leighton. But there were others. I mean, Richarlison against Brighton, which was such a tidy finish, you know, where he controlled it, uh, pulled it back onto his right foot and bent it round the goalkeeper, and it was a match winner as well. But after all that, it's a goal that probably came in a fairly meaningless fixture uh, in the end of it, a League Cup tie again uh, that eventually came to nothing. But just, just the quality of strike, Lucas Dean, uh, you know, saw that free kick. Um, yeah. it, was, it was just absolutely stunning. And if it had been against a better quality of opposition, we'd have been seeing it again and again and again. But because it was Lincoln, you know, so it tends not to get the kind of exposure uh, that it deserves. But technique was absolutely top class. And again, timing, because we had a bit of a ropey period in the game. You know, it looked like uh, we were going to suffer another, you know, some major you know, League Cup upset. And he didn't, you know, so he helped settle everything down again. So I'd probably go for Lucas Dean uh, at Lincoln. You know, it was uh, all very, very strong contenders, but that was just an absolute A-list goal. Interesting. Again, as I said, uh, <laughs> a miserable season, but four very, very strong uh, arguments for goal of the season. As much as as much as I was enthralled and thrilled by seeing Walcott with that that winner at full time just before full time, Gavin, I think that was a really strong shout. I think for posterity, I think Adam gets this one. Baines, his last yeah, goal at the football was, that, club. That was on my that was on my shortlist, so I've not got a problem. Tell you what, another great goal we've not mentioned, which is testimony to his quality. Richarlison against Crystal Palace, you no, know, when Dominic oh. headed it on and he ran from the halfway line, and he just knew as soon as he got the ball on the halfway line. This is going to go in. This he, he yeah. ran, you know, 30, 40 yards at pace, and then he killed that beautiful finish into the far corner. And we spoke about Richardson's quality to about the play of the season. That was one of the best examples of his quality uh, during the campaign. I thought that was that was top notch. That really, it's actually, yeah. actually been a good season, hasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> okay, moving on. Uh, Adam, you're up first. Buoyed by that uh, that victory in the goal of the season uh, uh, argument performance of the season now just for listeners I left this one open for the lads it could be team or it could be individual so um, I had to take it away I'm, I'm glad that you said that because I was hoping you weren't going to say individual uh, because the team performance of the season is absolutely beating Chelsea at Goodison 
you know, when you especially when you consider the situation the club were in, you know, we'd just been beaten, you know, rather embarrassingly far too by Liverpool a few days before. Uh, we'd been, you know, beaten in the last minute by Leicester a few days before that as well. It led to the sacking of Marco Silva shortly before the game. You know, it was just, it felt like the club was in turmoil a little bit uh, towards the end of that week. And, uh, you know, Duncan Ferguson was uh, put in charge. And you've got to say, there were a few question marks over how he was going to do with the uh, with the top job, even if it was going to be for a short space of time. And, you know, especially coming into a game against Chelsea, who I th- seem to remember was fairly informed at the time. Mm-hmm. You know, you were thinking to yourself, this could... If, if Everton put in the kind of performance they did against Liverpool, this could be another hammering. But I think it, all testament to, you know, the, the way Duncan set off the players and the way the players reacted to Duncan. You, they just came out straight out firing from the blocks against Chelsea. They really had the crowd behind them, really responded to the way the crowd uh, were up for the game. Even when Chelsea got a goal back, it just didn't feel like Chelsea were ever going to get anything out of that match at all. Like, it just felt like... Everton were just going to get on and find another goal. And thankfully enough, they did. And, you know, I think Everton fully deserved the three points on that occasion. And, it, you know, I think the, the fact that it came as such a surprise to everyone probably uh, puts that up as performance of the season for me. Sam? I'll go for a sort of similar, but a, a little bit of a change around. Probably, uh, the, I know we didn't win, but 1-1 at Man United, I think. You know, obviously it's not the Manchester United the. I grew up watching and, and he certainly didn't have that fear factor. But, you know, when you get to a game and you see Mason Holgate dashing from the edge of the box to play centre mid, you know, alongside Tom Davies, you know, a young pairing and that kind of mishmash of a team we had out there that day. You know, Lucas Dean went off injured, Baines came on. Obviously not a bad sub to have, but not ideal either. Uh, to get a draw there and and to see, you know, those those three games, I know the Arsenal game was a a little bit flat towards the end, but you know everyone everyone was fighting for each other, and you know once we went one 0 up, I know we didn't win, but there was just that sense we just couldn't lose because you know lads like Sigerton and Awobian, and they were all just putting shifts in and putting the bodies on the line, and you know I think there's a there's a big argument to to say that the performance of the season is probably Duncan Ferguson against Chelsea or Manchester United for the way he got the lads together in that short space of time, but for me being being at Old Trafford that. Day was an uh, emotional experience, I think, especially when Dunk came over to the fans at the end. So, I think that's one game that will always stick in my mind and just been boss if we could have uh, could have won it. Mm, interesting shout, uh, Preno. Wouldn't argue with either of those two choices, to be honest. Uh, Chelsea's obviously the standout performance, and Duncan's you know charisma and personality in that game. But I'm going to go for something completely and utterly different. So long ago that it's probably long been forgotten now. Uh, it was the, the Marco Silva era. The sun was shining. It was against decent opposition. We were pegged back, uh, 1-0, 1-1, 2-1, 2-2. managed to win it with a goal 10 minutes from the end. And Alex Iwobi even looked like a player this day. Uh, <laughs> so I'm going to go back to uh, beating Wolves uh, way back in the very, very early days of just looking down my uh, list there. It was September the 1st. Um, we still had pre-season optimism. We've just beaten Lincoln 4-2 in the League Cup and everybody thought, yeah, it could be a good season ahead here. Uh, performed very, very well. Let's not forget what Wolves went on to do this season. You know, So one of the standout performances or performers of the season, both in uh, the Premier League and in Europe. And yet, 
we looked like a decent cohesive team that afternoon and it looked like we had a decent season ahead of us obviously we all know what happened it all went pear-shaped in fact we got beat at Bournemouth in the very next game um, but for one afternoon at least you know so things seem to be coming together and the Marco Silva reign in inverted commas still appeared to be in its ascendancy so uh, I'm going to make a case for beating Wolves at home 3-2 Excellent. Gav, you get the tough one, the last choice. Yeah, uh, well, at the, I, I was going to say Chelsea home, but I was enjoying a liquid lunch in this lovely village outside Birmingham <laughs> on that day, so I, I wasn't there. I'm going to go for the recent individual performance, which is as good as what I've seen him play. Derby match of Goodison, first game after lockdown, same as Coleman, was absolutely outstanding. Mm. Good heaven. Mm. Well, go on. That's go a big on, Carry on, run with that. <laughs> Yeah, I, ju- I just think um, he showed, in, what was he, 30, uh, 32, is he now? James, 31. Um, first game back, you know, Derby, big match, captain, he's been this season, just thought he was inspirational against uh, a Liverpool team, obviously, used defensive threats, offensive threats as well, no. And I just thought on the day was brilliant. And he also, you know, on occasions posted that sort of top. And it was um, one of the best performances, I think, of Seamus Clunn's career in, in a number of them. And I thought on, on that afternoon, he was he was superb. And I think he probably got one of the match off basically everybody who was at the game, to, to be honest. But yeah, I thought he was brilliant. Wow. Well, it was... Uh... A late comer to the to the list, but Gav, I think you've uh, you get the nod there. I think Seamus Coleman. I think that's a, that's a really good shout for a performance of the season. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Moving on to the fourth and final category, we've called it flop of the season, but that's the tabloid headline. We're not quite as dramatic as that on the Royal <laughs> Blue Pod. Um, Sam, you're up first. Dis- disappointment of the season, and we're talking about a player here. Which player is? Uh, not met the expectations, met your expectations uh, as the, as uh, you would have hoped. I think it saddens me to say because I know that me and Preno have stuck up for him a lot this season, but you know, especially post lockdown, Jordan Pickford, I think definitely, uh, you know, so good for us in that first season, um, and obviously made his headers last season, you know, whatever last season, season before. Um, and and I, I think we all spoke about it being a big season for him, and and he ended that season pretty well. You know, once he got over that Newcastle game, and it, it was all set up to be a, a big term for him, but he hasn't hit those standards. And you know, it, it, there's just a nervousness. I remember it happening to Tim Howard in his last couple of seasons, where whenever the ball goes into the box or someone's through on goal, you just you're nervous, and that's how you feel in the stand in the stands. How much the, the lads who are playing centre-half feeling, no, no matter who they are, whether it's Yeni Mina who's played for Barca or, you know, Jared Brantway who's just coming to the team, it's difficult and, you know, that Bournemouth goal it's just so frustrating now, why are we having to talk about it every single game, you know just do the basic things right and certainly hasn't helped himself with the reaction uh, at Wolves as well when he nearly spilled one into the, into the line and, and I just feel like, you know, someone who who has really stuck up for him and, and, and really wants him to succeed it's you know, I cannot see us going for a goalkeeper this summer because we've got bigger priorities elsewhere, but he's, he's got to sort it out for next season because, you know, he's at serious risk of, you know, I think he will now lose his England, England place, but he's at serious risk of Everton looking on, you know, bringing in reinforcements in the near future or, or giving another keeper a go. So it's it's very worrying. Uh, it's worrying that he's ended his last game like that. And, 
you know, hopefully uh, this time next year we're talking about a, a very different Jordan Pickford, but a, a massively disappointing season f- from his p- point of view, I think. Okay, yeah, strong uh, strong argument there from Sam. Um, Preno, you're back up now. Um, disappointment of the season for you, player-wise? Oh, there's a, sadly, there's a huge field to choose from here. Uh, wouldn't argue with Jordan Pickford. Um, Bernard has been like an invisible man for me this season, having been so you know promising the season before. Tom Davis, I hate to say it, you know the young lad who's had a lot of football this season, but we've not really seen the kind of football that we want from him. But for me, the absolute standout disappointment guy I mentioned earlier, who gave us such promise with that goal against Wolves, but seems to have disappeared without trace ever since. Alex Iwobi. Um, this is. Part of the argument is the fact that he costs so much, and I know that shouldn't really come into the equation. But, you know, we're in a situation whereby we need to find value for money. Uh, we can't be wasting big money all the time on, you know, players that show promise and then don't deliver. Uh, we have in this case, Alex, where we cost a lot of money, and I think we deserve to have seen a lot more from him than we've actually physically seen. Um, he scored that goal early on against the Wolves, and I'm not even sure if he scored another goal since. Um, He's just, like, gone missing. Uh, doesn't create anything. Uh, under Carlo Ancelotti, you know, so after he's come back uh, post-lockdown, started six out of seven games in succession, was taken off and substituted in every single one of them. And in two of those games, was taken off at half-time, uh, which underlines, you know, the lack of impact he was having on the game. His last appearance, uh, he was taken off at home to Aston Villa uh, just after the hour mark. And we haven't seen him since he was on the subs bench of Sheffield United and wasn't even involved at all against Bournemouth. So that suggests that maybe even uh, Carlo Ancelotti is losing a little bit of faith in him. Um, he's young and I accept that, you know, he's still settling into a new club and you know, there's a possibility he could come again. But I'm sorry, I just think we should have seen an awful lot more from him than we did last season. A strong, uh, strong argument there from Preno. Gav, what's your choice? Yeah, I'm going to defend it will be slightly because I, st- I still don't think we played them in his best position. Uh, so I discounted them uh, because I still think he's not a winger and he's been deployed at that most, most of the season. He's obviously more comfortable playing inside, though. That's yeah. never excuse for some of the levels to perform. Uh, I also discounted Sigurdsson based on the fact that he was never he was never, never came to the club as a midfield cruncher in the 4 4 2. Uh, wow! Yeah, you know, stick, sticking his foot in, and you know, and you know, that's, uh, that's getting news in next season's match report. Bill Cruncher. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm going to go with somebody who was brought to the club last season. Unfortunately, I think I said in this podcast the other week, he's been more uh, Ashley Williams than Gareth Barry, as we he hoped for. Is Fabian Delph uh, disappointing that a he's been injured, not played enough games. Mm. When he has been played, he's been largely anonymous. He's not provided the sort of leadership and discipline that I think we wanted from him. In fact, at Watford, this is in discipline that he got a red card, didn't he? I think someone said it was hard. Some some off the pitch stuff may not have gone well for him as well. I think if you put that package together, then I think Delph has been uh, my biggest flop of the year in terms of what he's done compared to what he was expected to do. Uh, there's several other on the, several other on the periphery. It's probably best won't go into, uh, but I think uh, <laughs> I think several is probably an understatement, isn't it? Really? Yes. Um, yeah. I, I think well, I'm going to go with Delph as the one being the biggest gap between expectation and actual delivery. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Good. Um, Adam, what's your choice, pal? 
I've, I've been left with my top choice, which, I, which I'm actually quite surprised with. Uh, my top choice is Sigurdsson. I think I, I think Gav makes an all right point about him, you know, over the last few weeks and months in particular, not being played in his natural position. But that's no excuse for the first few months of the season when he was getting played in his natural position and he still wasn't playing well enough. You know, he came into this season as joint top scorer in the campaign before alongside Richarlison. And to go from those heights, you know, as the club's top scorer, he should have been one of the club's standout players uh, throughout the first few months of the season. You know, when we had, you know, let's remember, a fairly favourable fixture list to try and bump ourselves up the table. But he was just fairly anonymous. He scored he scored a penalty against Lincoln. He came off the bench to score that really good goal against West Ham in the last few minutes. But apart from that, he was just anonymous, really, in those first few months. And then... Obviously, you can caveat his performances over the last few months with the fact that that's not his natural position. But Carlo Ancelotti obviously trusted him enough to play him in that area, and he still wasn't doing it. You know, you say he's not a midfield cruncher. I don't think you have to be a midfield cruncher to put a few tackles in in central midfield. You know, I, I think that should just be common nature, really, to a Premier League footballer to go in midfielder. <laughs> exactly, yeah, just go and stop the opposition trying to get through you. Like, and each like there's. Far too many performances, you know, Spurs in particular, uh, away from home, I have to say, where he just hasn't really done that. And for somebody, you know, who is the club's record top scorer, uh, record signing, he was top scorer uh, the year before. It's it, it's just not good enough from, from him, really. And, you know, you, you're going, you're in a position now where he's going to be seriously fighting for his place in the side. Uh, you, you'd hope that Ancelotti is going to make uh, some midfield signings over the next few weeks. And, you just wonder where that's going to leave Sigurdsson, especially if we continue with this 4-4-2. And that's down to his performances this season. Well, not surprisingly, uh, disappointment of the season has, uh, has probably produced the strongest uh, the strongest arguments from, from, from the lads. But um, I'm sure you guys listening have, have got other, no doubt, other uh, people you would, you would add on to that list. But I, um, I think for the way that, that it was articulated particularly um, and the fact that it was... It was something I think maybe thought was no longer a problem, or certainly less of a problem, having having come through a, a tricky sort of turbulent period in that position. I think Sam wins this one because, um, yeah, I think I think Jordan, the way Jordan certainly finished the season is uh, is is worrying, isn't it? And and it probably adds a headache certainly for supporters that we we didn't need, and obviously there are priorities elsewhere in the team, but. Some of the mistakes that Pickford has, has made towards the end are of obviously deeply concerning. So. There you go, chaps. Four uh, four segments, four uh, topics there, and uh, each one comes out with a victory. So one apiece. <laughs> Can't say fairer than that. It, it is That's a democracy, a surprise, isn't it? What a What a stitch up. <laughs> <laughs> what are we, what are we, is, there, is there no tiebreak category, Phil? No? Uh, no, 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 none of that nonsense. You just got to You've just got to accept I, I think it. Well. I think it should be what fills you the best contribution towards the Road Blue podcast during the season should be the. Uh, well, it should be you, who made you got the most predictions, right? Someone I can't yeah, 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 yeah. Which would mean I come out on top. I, yeah, that's a fair shout. Well, unfortunately, there's there are no records of such uh, of such things that we've kept. There on. is somebody, 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 somebody went back and on Twitter and gathered, gathered the numbers, and yeah. I and I won. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, there you go, Adam. You win. Some people have far too much time on their hands. <laughs> <laughs> and, of, and of course, there's me saying there's no record, just the podcast themselves. But there you go, moving on. Uh, 
Do we have got a bit of time before uh, Preno has to leave us? And, and Preno, I'll start with you. Um, we, we, as, as, as the weekend, last weekend uh, went on and the closer we kind of got to kick off um, on Sunday, there was a building feeling that uh, what happened was going to happen and that Leighton Baines was going to turn down um, the contract. Um, nevertheless, how did you feel when, when the news broke at around 20 past six, I think it was? By that stage, we were resigned to it, weren't we? So I, I wasn't surprised, but I started the day believing that you know we were going to see a continuation, you know, so maybe one more season. I know people at the football club were trying desperately to persuade him. I know, you know, you've made lots of uh, queries yourself, Phil, and people were trying very, very hard to convince Leighton that, you know, one more season would be, you know, best for all parties concerned. But, you know, he's made his decision, and uh, I, I believe it's the correct decision for him. Uh, if not for the football club. Uh, so disappointment, it gives us a headache and that we've got to now try and find, you know, so another backup left back at some time in the summer, which is uh, something we weren't planning to do uh, a week or two previously. Uh, but equally, we're saying goodbye to uh, a man who's been an absolute impeccable inspiration uh, on and off the pitch. I mean, his best days as a left back are probably behind him now in terms of the fact that, you know, two seasons in succession, he was in the PFA, you know, so team of the year. He was in England International. And um, I think he did, it was a two successive seasons where he uh, was ever present as well. You know, so he was supremely consistent in terms of performance and in terms of fitness. Now, by saying that those days are behind him doesn't suggest that he's suddenly fallen off a cliff in terms of his form. His form is still decent. Um, you know, the cameo he showed in his last game, you know, the season shows that he's still more than capable of performing in the Premier League at a very high level. Maybe not week in, week out, uh, which is where Lucas Dean has the, uh, the edge in terms of athleticism and in terms of fitness. But he still has plenty of quality. So, yeah, I'm disappointed. Um, but the biggest disappointment of all is the circumstances in which he comes to say goodbye. Uh, it should have been a last day, like Duncan Ferguson said so well against West Brom, uh, with the crowd, you know, so cheering his name. Fingers crossed with a penalty in the last minute, and we know that he'd have finished it a lot better than Duncan did if, uh, <laughs> if Leighton had been given an opportunity from 12 yards. And then an opportunity to do a lap of appreciation, and the fans actually showing their appreciation of a man who's uh, given an awful lot to Everton Football Club. I mean, I argued in the piece I wrote at the time that he's the best left back I've seen, you know, so in my time watching Everton, and that includes some very high profile performers, Pat Van Howe, Mike Pedgick, uh, Andy Hinchcliffe, John Bailey. Uh, you know, all things in all, you know, given his, uh, the length of his tenure, given his consistency, I think Baines just has the edge. But there were even people who were coming onto my Twitter feed and were arguing that they believed he was a, a better performer than Ray Wilson. I can't argue with that. I never saw Ray Wilson play. But, you know, he was at Everson for four seasons and he's a World Cup winner. But if there are people out there that saw them both and believe he was the better player, that should speak volumes. So, yeah, disappointed that he's actually, dis you know, he's gone now. We're probably more disappointed as well in the circumstances in which we said farewell to him. He deserved more than a dreadful, you know, lacklustre defeat against Bournemouth with an empty stadium. And I know he probably like it that way because, you know, so he is such an understated individual. He probably wouldn't like the fuss, but he mm. deserved to have a fuss made of him. But we, yeah. we never got it, unfortunately. Mm, well said. Um, Preno, I know you need to uh, you need to leave the pod, so feel free, mate, to uh, slip out the back door and we will, we will carry on the uh, discussion <laughs> without you. Thanks as, uh, thanks as ever. And, yeah, uh, just remember, you won uh, the player of the season. So uh, that's probably the, the most important <laughs> one, isn't it? So, <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, that's that's what go. I'm going to take his vote for. Yeah, cheers. Yeah, exactly. If, exactly. If, if you're interested, I've got that fella's stats. You know, the fella who sent us the stats for Must the predictions. Go, go. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes, I am very interested. <laughs> oh, look, he's gone. Um, Gav, I, I'll, I'll, I'll briefly go through them. Sam, 16 predictions, nine correct results. Adam, oh. 26 predictions, 11 correct results. Phil, 26 predictions, 11 correct results. Then out 20 predictions, 10 correct results. Buckland, 18 predictions, a disappointing four correct results. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. Gav. Sad. Well, wow, indeed. Indeed. Um, Gav, um, what were your thoughts on, on Bainesy's decision? I know, you know, look, we, God, how many, how many weeks ago was it now? Maybe five, six weeks ago. Yeah. Um, you, me, and I think Preno were on a pod and, and we. I think it was after the Norwich game. He hadn't signed a deal. Carlo said he was hopeful. There was a, there was a real air of uncertainty even then. And he, he signed a short-term deal to cover the, the restart. But it, you did say you had concerns that, that there was perhaps this this impasse, if you like, did, did sort of spell spell worrying news. Yeah, exactly. I mean, just, just to pick up Renault's points. I mean, I think left-backs over the age is very difficult to, to compare because it, it's that part of the pitch which has changed so much. Years ago, you were judged on how good you defended. Now, people talk about Leighton Baines and quoting his assists and goals. That's, you know, he's a full-back, he's a defender. So I think it's very difficult over <laughs> the years to judge, judge them. What I would say, though, is the Premier League last year on their website put up a poll about who is the best Premier League's best, left, best ever left-back. And Baines is one of the top five nominations. Now, you know, the five nominees. So, my take on that is it's easy for me to poop poop like, oh, football, you know, football, you know, was before 1992. But the Premier League's been going for nearly 30 years now. So, that's a hell of a lot of left backs that have played. So, Bearman Baines has not necessarily played at the top level in terms of top four or six, as you would say. To be nominated in the top five in your position in the Premier League is a hell of an achievement. Yeah, you know, absolutely. And, you know, regardless about whether how well he compares with previous Everton left backs and stuff, I think that's difficult. But in terms of the Premier League era, he's he's in the top five left backs for me. Um, yeah. And I think that's that's something we should celebrate. I think rather than being you know Evans best ever left back or third best ever left back, you know that that's a hell of achievement. There's not many Everton players in my lifetime over a span of thirty years who'd be regarded as being in the top five in their position, you know, so I think well done to them on that. But going Absolutely. back to the original, original point, uh, yeah, it causes a problem which we can do without. Yeah. <laughs> is we've, we've, now, we've now got to go to market, I assume, and, and get ourselves a, a left back. Not guaranteeing that they're going to uh, play a lot of first-team football. Look at Ian and say, consistent this year, we're not reaching the heights of the, um, the previous season. But if he carries on that, he's going to be playing every game unless he's injured. So you've got to convince somebody to come to us, pay him, pay a transfer fee, wages and stuff. I know late, maybe more latent off of us because he'd be paying a longer term contract. Um, it's it's giving us a a problem that we we, we didn't want, uh, and I, I'm I'm surprised. I don't know what went on behind the scenes. It's, you know, I, I'd be disappointed if there was the conversation a bit late and I'd said that maybe how much she wants. To stand, mm. you know, but where the latest decision is, I don't. I just don't want to be on the subs bench for a year in empty stadiums for the large part and finish my career in that that uh, 
that environment, that's probably seems to be the reason for it. Mm. Just gives us a problem, Phil, and we can well do without it, considering we've got bigger, bigger fish to, um, you know. Well, yeah, I mean, obviously all the noises, certainly publicly and privately coming out of the football club, is that they were desperate to keep him. So I, I don't think that the, 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 the sense you get is that the financial package was, was an issue because yeah. you do sense that they, they would have done everything within within reason to, to, to have kept him on that front. And it, it perhaps, as you say, Gav, it's been that case of does he want to be on the bench for a majority of the season? No guarantee of when fans will return in this, you know, in this sterile environment and stuff that we spoke about, but um, Adam, I mean, for, for, for you know, for supporters of your generation, it's it's been Leighton Baines and nobody else pretty much at left back. But you know, certainly for, for a long time, of you supporting the football club, how how do you think, from a personal point of view, are you gonna are you gonna feel that you know when we we start next season on September the twelfth, there'll be no Baines even in the squad, there'll be no Baines in, in the stands at all. You know, yeah, it's just it, it's a bit of an end of an era, really, because. I think, you know, for me speaking personally, and, you know, I don't want to speak for everybody of my generation, but I think for me personally, Leighton Baines is objectively the best player I've ever seen play for Everton. I think in any position, really. I think those few those few years towards like the turn of the decade, perhaps, you know, where he, especially when he was linking up with Stephen Pienaard on that left-hand side, you know, there was, there was just nobody, there was nobody who could stop him. And I think that's just... And as Gabs quite rightly says, the fact that he was up there with you know the top five right uh, left backs in Premier League history, I'd argue he probably was the best left back in Premier League history. But I, I suppose I'm I'm biased in that sense. Uh, but the fact that he was up there in that conversation just kind of sums up uh, the kind of quality that he had. And you know it, it was just a shame. You know I count myself extremely lucky that I was in the stadium to be able to see uh, his last performance for Everton. But it was just. It was a real shame to kind of see it happen as as it did transpire because mm. you know, he comes on in that second half and he makes that especially that tackle inside the box against was it Wilson? You yes. don't look yes. like he was just about to pull the trigger and you know probably score, but you know that that amazing tackle you're just thinking to yourself, oh, he's clearly he's clearly still got something here. Maybe just maybe he might change his mind at the last minute, but then you just you know the, the news filters through, doesn't it? And you know, instead of, as Preno said, uh, instead of this big kind of fanfare that Duncan Ferguson had and the big lap of appreciation that he had against West Brom, you get just a bit of a, a, a bit of a lacklustre message on a screen, essentially, just saying thank you, Leighton. And it just just doesn't feel the same with it without the weight of, you know, 36,000, 37,000, however many thousands adoring Everton fans all in the stands who would have all stayed behind uh, after the end of the game to applaud Leighton off. And, you know, it might have been the way he probably would have preferred to do it because, as Preno rightly says, he is a rather understated individual and he doesn't like the limelight in that sort of sense. But it was it, it was more than what he deserved to, you know, have thousands and thousands of adoring fans applaud him off for that final time. Never mind the performance that Everton that Everton put in. I don't I don't think that probably would have really mattered even if forty thousand fans were in the stadium for that. I think it, it was just you know, I think the supporters deserved an opportunity to show their appreciation to Baines and Baines obviously deserved the opportunity to hear that from you know straight from the supporters. So I think that'll be the real shame that'll probably it'll probably hit a, a little bit harder when fans are allowed back inside the stadium and we've got back to 
got back to a bit of a sense of normality, you'll look back on this scenario and you'll think to yourself, this is this is one of the best players that Everton now had in the last 10, 20, 30 years. And you kind of just snuck away into the night without uh, with without much uh, without much fanfare, which will be a real shame. But yeah, I think supporters of my generation certainly will look at Baines and will say, you know, what a player. Yeah. Like I, I, I can't myself lucky to have seen him personally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think to have only seen, to have only had, really had Baines and Cujo Martinez stand out in that left back. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, seriously, seriously, though, Sam, because I was thinking about this when Gavin Adam was speaking, you know, and about his longevity. He has seen off quite a number of, of, I mean, this in the nicest way, pretenders. You know, people who were being billed as heir, heir to the throne. And he's and he's just seen them off. Obviously, Dean's come in now and has taken taken up the mantle and and is now first choice left back. But Baines is his his um, ability and consistency consistency is, as as Gav mentioned has has meant that Everton have tried to reinvent the left back position with different players for however many years and were and ultimately were unable to do it because Baines just kept being at the level where he was always going to be first choice. Yeah, and obviously, I think when you know, your, your Brian Oviedo's and your, your Luke Garbert get to the end of their career, they'll, they'll probably rue the name Leighton Baines in a way, won't they? Because, you know, I think more, more so Garbert than Oviedo, but you probably expected someone like Baines to start winding down at a, a certain time. But, you know, even as Adam saying, when you look at how he played in those few minutes against Bournemouth, you think probably could have carried on playing until he was about 60 and still probably would have been looking decent, especially in this current Everton team. Um, so he's a... He, he's a Massive loss, and and he's done. He, he has just he, people until Dean arrived. People didn't even look to be coming close, did they? I think Martinez was just keeping Baines fresh when he when he was even putting Garbutt in, and and there was that one season under Martinez as well when he had those few injuries, and and Oviedo did pretty well. But then you know, and, and, and Brendan Galloway too. But there was never a talk, was there, of will Galloway keep his place? Garbutt, Oviedo it was just like I don't know back on the bench now because Leighton Baines. Was I think a few people said that there was definitely a, a time when he was the best left back in the Premier League, and I think probably the best left back in the world for a, for a, an eighteen month, two and a half year spell, and and, and at a time when you know Ashley Cole was playing, and and you had lads across Europe at Real Madrid like Marcelo and Philip Lahm and that you know he was in a he was in a pretty high standard of left backs, and I don't think Evertonians would have swapped them for the world, and you know. This this kind of team we've got to start into that old guard now. You know, Jags went last year, Baines has gone this year, Coleman is is going to be the last one, isn't he? And he it's is. sad really because yeah. these are players that Evertonians really kind of you know. Obviously, I know the time plays a part, but because of the way they are both on and off the field, Evertonians have got such a strong attachment to them. You know, I know Sheamus and and Jags are you know honorary scousers in in all our eyes, aren't they? So I think a, a massive hope. Uh, and, and whatever they've failed to do over the last couple of years, apart from, you know, Richarlison, maybe to a lesser extent, Dean and, and Gomez a little bit as well. But, you know, signing players, the fans can really kind of, um, you know, you know feel, feel, you know, feel a connection to when, when they're on the pitch. Uh, and, and late and leaving is a massive kind of blow to that because there's, there's very few players, you know, especially in those games we watched post-lockdown uh, that resonate with, with, the, right. with Evertonians at the moment. So, it's just such a, a massive loss and be really, really interesting to see what Everton do in the transfer market now. Absolutely. 
Okay, chaps, brilliant stuff. Um, I think we will leave it there. I think we've we've gone past the forty-five minute mark, so uh, plenty uh, of, of stuff covered in that pod. But of course, we'll pod again next week and throughout the summer, throughout the transfer window. Hopefully, as we progress, we'll be able to bring some uh, transfer news and get our teeth stuck into that. Of course, but you know, we will obviously endeavour to uh, pour over a bit more of the season as we go on as well, because plenty to talk about. Sadly. Not all positive, but that's the way it has panned out and uh, hopefully better for next season. Uh, chaps, thank you very much for your company and obviously we thank Prenner who's had to leave us early. Uh, and thank you for listening. This has been the Royal Blue Podcast. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.